Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Today we begin a two-part topic on the Bible, the big picture of God's Word. And together we are going to take what I hope to be a very unique look at God's Word that will fascinate and encourage you. Through this, it is my goal to help you develop a passion for getting to know the Bible, God's Word, in a way you may never have experienced it before, and in such a way that it will provide you with the necessary basics and understanding to build your confidence, which is so vital to our being able to maturely engage with God on a personal level and with others in a meaningful discussion. In this two-part series, we will also take a broad look at the entirety of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in addition to looking at some interesting a-religious facts about the Bible. And as we journey through this series, please keep in mind that we need to first have a desire, a need to be in God's Word and in His presence, and to understand it is the only way we can communicate with God. Simply put, no desire, no need. No need, no knowledge. No knowledge, no relationship. No relationship, God and His Word are irrelevant in your life. And let me clarify right here that it is completely up to you to agree or disagree, believe or not believe, everything or nothing about God. This is 100% your decision either way. And never make a decision to follow or not follow God because someone told you to or not to. This is all between you and God and the decision you make because you need to, period. But if you are going to agree with and believe God through his word, the Bible, and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, it is vital that you spend time with God in his word and in prayer through Jesus, because that is the only way you can fulfill the two roles God has commissioned for us. And these two roles are as follows. The first role, to grow up and keep growing up in our relationship with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. The second role is to give away all you learn from being in God's Word. And the only way to give away what God has given to you from His Word is to have a passion and hunger to be filled up by God through His Word. And it is only then that you will be able to give a testimony of any value and ready to give responsible, coherent, and concise answers to anyone who asks why you believe what you believe. And this fulfills the commission of 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And by being well-educated, able to give concise and coherent answers, you will for sure have much more success speaking with others about what you believe to be true with regard to the Bible, God's Word, and that because you are demonstrating to whoever you speak with that you are truly convinced of what you believe. And furthermore, you can articulate why you are convinced, and that more often than not builds at least a level of respect and often develops a level of trust to keep the conversation going. But all that said, for the majority of us, yes, pastors too, having a hunger and passion to be in God's Word is very challenging. It tends to come in waves, and often when the oceans get very rough, those are the waves we surf in on and get close to God. But when the tide goes out and the waters get calm, we often do no more than lazily just drift out at sea, fully content where we are. 
And so we miss out big time on growing up and maturing, and we take the easy roads in God's Word and predominantly bask in the positive and uplifting scriptures, which we use to soothe the bumps, bruises, and burns we are so regularly afflicted by. But that is not exactly what God called us to do. In fact, God is very much about challenging us and deeply on a regular basis, a no pain, no gain kind of challenge. Is rest good? Yes, and God wants us to rest, rest in Him. But the kind of rest God calls us to is not a forget about everything and float on cloud nine. No, it's a rest in Him, which is yet another challenge in reality and major discipline for us. But we really don't like challenges like that. So we stick to what is familiar and comfortable and all but ignore the rest of what we need to hear. And we miss out and stay stagnant and weak and ultimately very unfamiliar with our Father and ironically, not at all at peace and relaxed. So what are we missing? Or perhaps a better question is, what are we just completely ignoring that God has given us? The answer, a sizable chunk of God's word. And why? Because it's boring and or it's controversial. According to the Overview Bible Project, the top 10 most ignored books of the Bible are Jonah, Joel, Jude, Zephaniah, Philemon, Haggai, 2nd and 3rd John, Nahum, and Obadiah. But our list can continue, unfortunately, with the following books also ranked very low on the list of books to teach on according to several other major surveys of pastors around the nation. That is include Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Song of Solomon, Lamentations, Amos, Micah, Habakkuk, Malachi, Titus, and Revelation. And that adds up to 28 books and a total of 301 chapters of God's Word we regularly keep at arm's length. So I think at this point we need to begin a dedicated and serious journey to resolve what we have been intentionally ignoring from God. And what better place to properly begin the journey than at the beginning? But we are not going to begin our journey in Genesis, and we are not even going to begin our journey opening the Bible. Rather, we are going to begin our journey by greeting our Father God and petition Him to give us wisdom, insight, understanding, and a time that is free from distraction as we prepare ourselves to hear from God and be in His presence. And our very first step will be to walk to God in prayer, and pray exactly how our God has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Isn't that an absolutely fantastic place to start? Greeting and acknowledging our Father, our God and King, by confirming again that we know and have no doubt of His place in all existence, His power and His promises that we are indeed His children, who He will care for and the one who will meet every one of our needs in all circumstances. But let's take this one step further. Isn't that also just the polite way to approach someone? and that by greeting them first before just diving right in. Isn't it an opportunity to prepare the time you will be spending together with someone, or in this case, God? And isn't that generally how we greet a friend or family before we move on with the conversation or a visit? Or at least it should be. Isn't it how you generally answer the phone? Hello, how are you? How's your day going? How's life? 
and then we move into the intention of our time together. Same thing in an email or letter, even a text when we typically start off with a greeting. Hi, hey, hello. You might even greet by using the word dear. And then perhaps a greeting of, I hope this note or email or letter, whatever it is, finds you well. And isn't this time of greeting something we see the Apostle Paul do regularly when he communicates with others in his letters? Isn't it something we see regularly all throughout the scriptures when people go to God? They approach him with very reverent greetings. And typically, by habit, we do this every time we pray. But we fail miserably doing this when we go into the presence of God to hear from God through his word. One great example of this we can find in Romans 1.7. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a way to be greeted. I love that. It truly prepares you for what you are about to read or discuss or just listen to. It builds an instant connection of interest and compassion and care and love right out of the gate. And this is why I believe it is so important that we first greet God before we take up our reasons for coming to him through his word. So are we now ready to open the Bible? Not yet. Because there is more to what we just said to God in the prayer he taught us than a friendly greeting of thanksgiving and praise. It is now time to acknowledge that we asked him some very specific things in our prayer greeting and that he would forgive us of our trespasses. Which is the easy part, by the way. But don't forget, we also admitted and agreed in front of God to forgive those who trespass against us. And that is the brutally hard part. Yes, it is easy to forgive the people who are easy to forgive. Forgiving the people we love who trespassed in our lives, but those numerous people who we don't love who trespassed, those are often the ones we just try to put out of our minds and move on, which should suffice as forgiveness. But don't kid yourself, forgetting is not forgiving. So right now it is time to petition God for his forgiveness by presenting every last detail of what we have done wrong and following that up with the full knowledge that God will, and without question, forgive us fully if we fully confess. Next, we see, again, the hard part. We are to right now forgive everyone else who has wronged us. Everyone. Good example of that can be found in Matthew 6.14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Wow, that's a pretty direct and clear statement from God's mouth to our ears. We see here that in order to receive forgiveness of our trespassing from God, then we are required to forgive others their trespassing against us. Or we will not be set free from the condemnation we have put on others. And that will leave us completely unfit to have a good and meaningful time together with our Father. Think of it this way. If you are not right with someone, having a meaningful, heartfelt, and productive time together is impossible because there will always be judgment that will overshadow all aspects of our interaction. And with that, the level of receptiveness is limited and ultimately the time together is significantly diminished of its effectiveness. And so it is the same with God and us. And this is why it is critical to greet God through Jesus and take care of business before we launch into asking him or even expect him to reveal one thing to us. After all, 
If we can't handle one thing God has asked us to do, why would he give us anything more? Luke 6.10 states, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And this fits perfectly in this scenario. God is not going to trust us with more wisdom, more knowledge, more joy, more understanding of his word if we can't follow the most basic and fundamental directions he has given us. Do you feel you are stagnant in your relationship with God? Perhaps this is the reason. The passage continues and says, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And God will not entrust us with true riches, the riches of his wisdom, and that of knowing him on a deeper and more profound level, if we are not being obedient and trustworthy of the singular things he demands of us. And God will not give us any more than we already have, and that will leave us truly poor and unable to gain the true riches God has waiting for everyone who is obedient through his word. Now we have greeted God, gotten right with God, and right with each other. But there is still one last thing we need to cover before we open the Bible. And the next step is to begin with another foundational understanding of what we even have in our possession. So let's take a quick look at the very fascinating technical aspects of God's Word and ultimately God's resume. The average Protestant Bible, and based on the various translations that are published, the Bible is comprised of 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,173 verses, roughly 780,000 words, which make up roughly 3.5 million letters, and take up roughly 1,200 pages, which were written by 40 authors, 35 known and 5 unknown, in three different languages over the course of about 1,600 years, with roughly 400 years between the Old and New Testament, with the oldest scriptures being roughly 5,000 years old. And I would say that is a fairly substantial chunk of information to ground us in what we are engaging with here. But with this information at hand, it leads us to ask a few serious questions we need to come to terms with on what we really know and understand about this book we claim to love and trust. And the first question we need to contend with is, just how many of these roughly 780,000 of God's words do we know or have even heard? Sadly, that answer is not very many, as indicated by a recent study done by The Economist, which reveals the average native English-speaking adult has roughly 20 to 35,000 words in their entire vocabulary. And while no study has been done to figure out how many of those words in our vocabulary include God's words, we can quite easily conclude it would be a very small number indeed. So how about we start right now and begin to change these statistics, one word at a time from God. And now we will open God's word and take a look at all the books, chapters, verses, words, and letters, and as the King James Version states, every jot and tittle. And we will start with the books of the Old Testament, and they are as follows. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, 
Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Next, we have the books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Jude, and finally, Revelation. But don't forget, out of this list, the 28 books we regularly neglect. And I believe we are truly missing out on a significant and fascinating portion of Scripture that has a profound impact on our understanding of what it is we need to have etched in our lives. Now, before we launch into the individual books of the Bible, I think it is vital that we get a very broad look at the Bible as a whole, a quick summary of God's Word. Again, this is all to help you better articulate the purpose and meaning of God's Word to others when you are asked, and this is something many can't begin to do. And a very broad overview of the Bible looks like this. The entirety of the Bible, again, God's Word to us, is His way of communicating everything we need to know and understand about Him, about ourselves, about others, about the beginning and the end, about life and death, about eternity with or without Him, about good and about evil, and all of it is a culmination of God to us and us to God, and all Scripture is God-directed through the various authors that He chose. But let's take this one step further and drill down just a touch more. God's Word begins with the initial creation of heaven and earth, and then the rejuvenation of a previously created world that is now dark and waterlogged, and a glimpse of perfection of what God had created that is abruptly shattered by a dissatisfaction and rebellion between God and Satan. Shockingly, we only witness two chapters, only two, out of the 1,189 chapters in the entirety of the Bible, Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-25, of the perfection God planned for us and placed us in. Amazingly enough, this world he restored from utter destruction to perfection and all for his finest work in all of creation, us, his people, is what he desired to extend to every human from that moment forward. But once again, dissatisfaction and rebellion set in. And as we well know, perfection was not good enough for us. We wanted more. And today we still crave more because just like Adam and Eve, we are constantly looking for bigger, better, and more of everything, and usually well outside of God. And so it became necessary that the remaining 1,187 chapters, Genesis 3-1 to the last word of Revelation 22-21, is God pouring out his love for us and his intense desire to walk us through his promised ramifications we encountered and continue to encounter when we ignored and continue to ignore, interestingly enough, just a portion of God's Word. Adam and Eve did not ignore the whole of what God told them, just a little bit. And this is why it is vital to our lives that we cling to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God through His Word, the Holy Bible. And this is a good stopping point to conclude part one, the Bible, the big picture of God's Word, as we prepare for part two, when we will take our very brief tour of the 66 books presented to us in the Bible and look at the importance of the entirety of every word God spoke. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with grateful hearts and ask that you would help us better understand your words to us. 
Help us in our time of need when we feel overwhelmed with what you are telling us and when it doesn't seem to make any sense. Give us wisdom, we ask, that we would always be ready and willing to seek you for clarity along with those around us who you have placed in our lives for encouragement and teaching. Forgive us for our lack of discipline in regularly engaging with you through your word and for living as we so choose and in disregard of your instructions to us. We are thankful that you do forgive and forgive freely and help us to remember that you love us for who we are, even in our failures and not following you and the evident plans you have for each of us. Give us strength to live to the best of our abilities and follow the narrow road that ultimately leads to perfection and eternity. And we now ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ.